0: Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand? Does trying to figure out a good jumping on point in a
1: long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on?
0: If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you.
1: My Big Fat Pull List.
0: Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out
1: with you. Have you ever walked out of a theater after just watching a great movie and asked yourself, I wonder what happens next? What about when your favorite TV show ends or worse yet, gets canceled? Do you find yourself daydreaming about where the characters went next or how they survived whatever the big bad was? I'm sure most of you listeners out there are slowly nodding your heads in the affirmative, because, like us, you love those stories, and you love those characters, and you don't want their adventures to end. Enter the magic of comics. It takes truckloads of money for a studio to produce a series or a film, but comic books are not limited by a studio budget. The only limit continuing the story of a popular movie or television show in a comic book comes from the writer and the artist. That's why we've decided to dig through our long boxes to present you with some noteworthy examples of The Story Continues comics that continue popular film and television series. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And of course, our loyal listers to another edition of my big fat pull list. I am one of your hosts, Mr. X. With me tonight is. Dr. Impact and Pistol Danger, also known as the Bangman in some circles. The
2: Bangman, yeah.
1: In a lot of circles, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> so, listers, we are going to be diving into the subgenre of comic books. That deals in taking an intellectual property, whether it be a film or a television series, and just continues the story. And we have actually dealt with a handful of books. We've talked about them before on uh, past episodes. Uh, We have a handful of episodes that deal with Star Wars and how the Marvel comic books have continued that story or, or even filled in some of the gaps between popular stories. In a past episode of Current Issues, we've talked about uh, Smurphy. Actually, talked about Firefly slash Serenity comic books hmm. that uh, continue yeah. that popular television show slash movie because that's both. Yeah, that's an a, that's actually it's a it's a twofer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then there, there's a whole bunch, so we're gonna not only leave you a, a bunch of links to past episodes that deal with comic books of this ilk because we all know how how much Pistol loves Ghostbusters. Well, we've talked about Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. So go back, listen to that episode. But I'm also going to leave some links to some other books that we're not going to talk about in this episode, but you should really go and take a look at, because they were were decent, if not damn good. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and Ghostbusters is a special case because it comes from three areas. Movies, television shows, and a video game yeah video game is essentially
1: ghostbusters 3 yep but of course all of that you can find out by listening to our our ghostbusters episode now of course if there's anything that we talk about briefly or just list in our show notes that you want to know more about guess what we have a patreon page (laughs) And on that Patreon page, there is a tier that allows you to pick an episode. We would love it if any of our many listeners would head on over to Patreon and pick an episode topic so that we don't have to come up with all the ideas ourselves, because it can be exhausting. Now, Pistol, please do me a favor. Let our listeners know where they could find our Patreon page.
0: Absolutely. You can head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash my big fat poll list.
1: Now, my pick for an example of great story continuation in comic book form is all about those damn dirty apes. I want to talk about Planet of the Apes. There are actually two ongoing ish titles that dealt with the continuation of that world. The first was in the early 90s from Adventure Comics, which was a subsidiary of Malibu Comics. And they had a black and white run that lasted, geez, I think a good 24 issues for the monthly. And then there was a one-shot, an annual, and then there was a bunch of miniseries. And it was all done in black and white. And it, I remember this as being one of the first non-superhero comic books I started picking up at the comic headquarters in St. Oh. Louis. Oh. Yeah, I, I bought all of my original issues at the comic headquarters. They were in the back issues. I was flipping through, don't know why, came across the first issue. And the cover of the first issue of this run was... An ape, a gorilla, standing in front of a pile, a mound, if you will, of dead human bodies. Hmm, that's a start. You're right. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get this. And the story takes place, uh, let's say, two generations after the last film, Battle for the Planet of the Apes.
2: Oh, okay. Huh.
1: Yeah, so this is this is still movie continuity, and it is it's only because c- it revolves around the 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 person who leads Ape City is called Alexander, and he is the grandson of Caesar. Mm. Things are not going so well for Alexander because there is strife in the streets, the guerrillas are about to stage a coup, and the human populace has started going mute. And it's one of those things about the movie that they, was never explained. It was, it was never explained why, in the future, humans were mute. One would just assume that they were in the wild for so long they just forgot how to speak. I don't know. Uh, again, it was one of those mysteries that was never really, really dealt with. And in this comic book series, they don't really deal with it either. It's just one of those things that is happening and everybody's scared and nobody knows what to do uh about the situation. Oh. This series had a whole cast of very interesting characters. You've got apes that hate humans, you've got apes that like humans, you've got humans who hate apes, you've got humans that like apes. And it's this parallel of what does the future hold? You know, because at the end of Battle for the Planet of the Apes, we're to believe that things are going to be different. Because a lot of people don't remember in the movies, in those five films, history has changed. You know, you have the first two films where, you know, Taylor shows up. It's a madhouse! A uh-huh. madhouse! And, you know, you find out it's the future of Earth. And then in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Earth gets blown up. And the beginning of Escape from the Planet of the Apes, we find out that three apes have traveled back in time inside Taylor's ship. And during this movie, which is a, is one of the underrated ones, because again, there's only two apes. It's, yeah. it's set in the past, so it's only two apes. But because of the great performance from Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter, it's one of those delightful movies. And in that film, there's a scene where Cornelius and Zira are being interrogated about how the future came about. And they talk about how there was a great plague that fell upon the earth that killed the cats and the dogs and because humans could not be without their pets they started uh taking in primates as pets then they started realizing hey we can teach these primates to do odd jobs and chores and then hey guess what now they're a slave race and it took generations before the great uprising when an ape finally said no So this is generations. It took generations for apes to finally speak. And then, of course, you know, conquest for the planet of the apes happens. And you've got Caesar, you know, the child of Zira and Cornelius, is is now trapped in a world where apes are being used as slave labor. And at the end of that, they've conquested, (laughs) hence the name. And all of a sudden, in the next film, all apes are talking. And they never really kind of explained that. But again, you know, movies, you're just supposed to have fun. But at the but at the end of Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Caesar is like, you know, apes and humans have to work together or we're just going to keep on making the same mistakes over and over again. Great message to end a film series on. Well, we pick up with the comic book and it seems that's not going so well. And throughout the series, you've got you've got your main characters who are trying to hold their world together while also revisiting locations from the previous films, like, you know, the forbidden zone, which at this point in time is still not called the forbidden zone. It's known as the forbidden city. Okay. And they expand upon the mutants too, because there wasn't just the cool mind controlling mutants. There were also mutants like, deformed, hunched back, living in the darkness, mutant creatures that if you came into their city, they would pull you down into the darkness and devour you. Sounds rough.
0: Sounds real rough.
1: Yeah. Well, and also because it's in a nice black and white, it also felt classic in a way. And again, it's uh, one of the reasons why I bring this up is because while you're reading it, because I love those eight movies, I am like gaga for those eight movies. I know, me too. And the this, this series made me feel like I was back in that world and seeing a part of it that I never got to see in film. Okay. So that's why I, I bring that particular series up. But of course, Apes Never Die. And later on, in 2011, Boom Studios acquired the rights to Planet of the Apes. Now, there's going to be a lot of people going like, well, well, wait a minute, Mr. X. Dark Horse did a series of Planet of the Apes books. We're not going to talk about the Dark Horse series because the Dark Horse series is based off of the Tim Burton movie. And I loathe that movie. The which movie? The Tim Burton.
2: Oh, I see what you. I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't know what that is.
1: Right. right. Good. Good for you.
2: <laughs> that movie is terrible yes
1: and it's not marky mark's fault
2: no it is not and i will sit through a lot of bad movies and i enjoy I, I clearly know that they're bad when i'm watching them but that doesn't change my enjoyment of them i mean for crying out loud i think i'm one of maybe three people in the entire world who actually enjoyed and had a good time watching the justice league movie but i i still realize that it's a terrible film but that tim burton planet of the apes was just trash. Yeah, yeah. We're
0: going to we're going to circle back to that Justice League re- uh, talk later on another episode because <laughs> I don't think it was absolute trash. I think it was just good enough that it wasn't bad.
2: <laughs> okay. I see, I see an episode in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Look forward to that, folks. Uh
2: so yes, we are
1: skipping the Dark Horse books because again, based off of the Tim Burton film from 2001. Uh, I'm jumping straight to Boom Studios, who Boom, you know what? I, I, Boom is probably my second favorite comic book company that's not one of the big two. Hmm. Because IDW and Boom, when they get their hands on an intellectual property, they do it right. They know what they're doing. They They get people, they get creators who... Know the material and have respect for what came before, and whether it's an actual continuation or a revamp, they still at least care—at least for the majority of the stuff that I've read from Boom and IDW. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, I would have to agree with that.
1: Mm. Now, Boom Studios uh *Planet of the Apes*. Their story also movie canon, movie continuity. It takes place twelve hundred years before. Taylor lands on the planet of the apes. Okay. It all starts out uh, again. It's this world where yes, apes and humans are living together, but apes are the superior species. Humans are a second class citizen and also used for labor. And the beginning of this series starts off with the assassination of the lawgiver by a human dressed all in black using a machine gun a weapon that hasn't been seen in centuries huh. oh wow so you've got this this nice interesting who done it and how are they getting the uh these weapons story and all brand new characters boom is actually responsible for putting out more apes books than marvel which they had a series, but it was actually more just a uh adaptations of the first two films and and they've they've put out more than the uh, adventure series Malibu stuff hmm. uh, They had an ongoing that yeah the series lasted for sixteen issues, and then the story continued in a bunch of one shots there was an annual and then a special and then a spectacular and then a giant. Which I absolutely love the fact that, you know, just to be able to keep the story going every few months, they would put out this oversized issue to keep the story continuing. And after all that ended, uh, they started delving into miniseries and those miniseries would continue the story of the world. There were three miniseries that came out, Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes, which takes place 20 years before the original film. Exile on the Planet of the Apes, which takes place two years later, so 18 years before the original film. And then the last thing that they did, quote unquote, ongoing wise, uh, was Planet of the Apes Cataclysm, which was set eight years before the original film. So these miniseries, you're actually getting characters that you either heard of or know from those first two original uh, movies, like Dr. Zayas. Hmm. And throughout all of that, of course, these aren't considered Canon, but boom also put out a whole bunch of great miniseries that were just fun, like a Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover called the Primate Directive
2: <laughs> that's awesome
1: yeah yeah the original and it's the original Star Trek crew okay. so it's Kirk they go through a rift and they end up in the Planet of the Apes time period interacting with Taylor like we're pretending the events of part two never happened. So it's like right after Taylor escapes from Dr. Zaius and the gorillas, he ends up meeting Kirk. And then there's this whole, it's a great story. uh, Again, it doesn't necessarily continue the story, but Uh it's fun. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. okay. They also put out stuff like Tarzan on the planet of the apes, planet of the apes, green lantern Kong on the planet of the apes.
0: <laughs> I am super interested in King Kong and the Planet of the Apes.
2: Yeah, I am too, yeah.
1: The the first issue a uh, a dead kong washes up on the shores just outside of uh of Ape City. And it causes the science community to go, well, what else is out there? Huh, so they end up uh uh building the boats and everything and heading off and they find Skull Island really oh, wow. they shit. find skull island which has of course humans who can talk mm-hmm. so that freaks them out already but then there's kong and of course dr Zayas is like oh wow okay so maybe this is one of our old ancient gods but of course the gorillas are like no this giant it's just a giant beast it's nothing like us and you know there's this this whole back and forth Uh, And then of course, you know, you've got talking humans. So of course the gorillas want to kill them. It's like, nope, they can't, they can't exist. We can't have any of this. It's just like that guy that fell from the sky, that Taylor dude, that bright eyes. (laughs) Yeah. It was really cool.
2: Yeah. I'm going to have to track that down.
0: Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. That sounds great. Cause it feels like that also could set up for like a much more Titan heavy universe for them to deal with too because after kong there comes godzilla and then after godzilla comes everybody else
2: oh gosh i didn't even think of that i was just thinking of the other stuff that's on skull island but god you're right i didn't even think of that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) lots and lots of fun stuff there is one miniseries is set in continuity though just called ursus Mm. to where you finally get to learn the backstory of general ursus who was uh, the main bad guy, I would say, if you don't count the wacko mole slash mutant people. Right, right. But you actually get to understand who General Ursus is and his connection with Dr. Zayas because it goes back and it looks at their childhood together.
2: Hmm. So Boom
1: Studios, Planet of the Apes... Not only did they do stuff from the original continuity, but there's also stuff based off of the brand new films that has the modern take.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask did they continue any of the new, um, who is it? Reeves, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. They've, uh, they, not only did they do adaptations, but then there have been miniseries that are kind of in between movies, hmm. basically prequels to certain movies. Sure. And I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I would love a continuation. I want a continuation of both universes because I appreciate both of them.
2: Well, I'm sure they're they're waiting to determine what Disney is going to do now that they own the...
1: Right, right. Now that they own the property.
2: Yeah. Now, I know Disney has said that they, they have plans for another trilogy that would take place, I think it was something like uh, 100 or 200 years after War so we would make a much bigger jump, but I'm sure that as far as comics is concerned, they're just waiting to see what, what that ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe they're, maybe they're working on, I mean, Disney Marvel has taken every other property that everybody else has once owned and taken it back with predator and star Wars and all that stuff. And Conan. So uh, maybe they'll take, you know, maybe they're waiting to, for the license to be up and, and take it back and put it in Marvel. Who knows?
1: Wow. Yeah, that would I guess they yeah, I guess it's just a matter of time before boom, because I don't know how I don't know how all that works. But you know what? That's not what this podcast is about. That's right. No. But if you want a podcast episode about how intellectual properties work and getting the rights to them, uh, just let us know. Head on over to Patreon.
0: Two plugs in one episode. My God, we're madmen.
1: That's right. This is what happens when <laughs> Smurfy's not around. Well, that was my pick for examples of comics that continue popular film and television. I want to know have you read any of the Planet of the Apes books? And if so, what did you think about it? Let us know. Head on over to our website at mybigfadpulllist.com and uh, tell us all about your experience with those damn dirty apes.
0: Well, gentlemen, for my pick, I picked one of my favorite cult classics. You might know it by its name, The Evil Dead Army of Darkness.
2: Mm. Or just Army of Darkness, you know. Or in some cases, perhaps just Ash.
0: Yeah. But uh it was one of my favorite movies and it still is. I still will go back and watch it because it's just fun. I've enjoyed what I've seen of the follow-up show, Ash vs Evil Dead.
2: Mhm. You know, I I still have to finish that that show. I have season 3 and I have yet to actually watch it. But uh yeah, yeah, I agree. Those first two seasons are awesome.
0: I'm halfway through season 2 and then uh, I don't remember what happened and I just kind of forgot about it. But yeah, mm. this reminded me to go back and watch it. Mm. But um in between the movies and that series, Ash's Adventures weren't over. Uh actually there's uh a couple of different uh series and some of them are in continuity. Uh, All of them are technically in continuity, but some don't follow the other continuity, but they follow other, other continuity. It's a weird thing, and I don't... And I recommend you finding what you like and then sticking to that. Because the first one is uh, the one I picked up, which is Ashes to Ashes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I got it a couple years afterwards at uh, at a market, and i got all four issues and basically it's what happens right after army of darkness if i'm remembering right the wizard comes to the future to be like it's not over ash we need to go back and do that shit again
1: i think and then they end up in ancient egypt yes and then the wizard
0: is horribly murdered and then that leads to the return. I can't remember if his murder. It's been a while since I read this. His murder leads directly to the return of Nega Ash. Somehow those two are connected, I believe, and then Ash fights evil Ash one more time, because if it worked the first time, it's gonna work the second time.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, and right. Then,
0: uh, then they go back home, if I remember right. I mean, not the wizard. He's dead, and evil Ash is dead, so, you know, ash i guess just goes home
1: yeah yeah dynamite god i can't i I remember when those came out and i was like oh man the art was great the story was fun because it it felt just like the army of darkness film Mm -hmm. and then they continued it with another miniseries called shop till you drop dead
0: Mm -hmm. i think i have two issues of this somewhere and then i never saw it again at the time for me it was hard to pick up comics because I really was kind of on my way out and I was just picking up what I wanted. So I didn't really peruse shops a lot. So if I saw something I liked, I would pick it up. And generally I would pick these up, but I would, you know, I wouldn't go every week. In fact, I'd maybe lucky if I went every month.
1: Once upon a time I had, I had the individual issues and then, you know, fell on hard times. So I had to get rid of them, but I, I have since gone back and gotten the trade paperbacks so that I have the story as a whole, because, you know me, I'm a completist. That's
0: mm-hmm. why we call you Mr. Completist. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> we were going to call me Mr. Completist, but that was just a very long title. Then we were going to knock it down to Mr. C, mm-hmm. and that just really didn't sound good. It didn't sound appealing and nope. made no sense whatsoever, so <laughs> we stuck with X. Fair. <laughs> From
0: there, it kind of devolves down into uh, Ash versus, and then a couple of other stories. The first Ash versus is the Reanimator, which you might know from H.P. Lovecraft's short story, The Reanimator, or the movie,
1: The Reanimator, and its sequels, The Reanimator. No, no, to- the sequel was sequel was Bride of Reanimator, and then Beyond Reanimator. Okay. Don't, 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 don't besmirch. <laughs> the animator because that's my jam. And in the comic book, they focused more on the H.P. Lovecraft version than the actual movie version. But yeah, that that was an ongoing series. The two po- the two previous miniseries were so popular that Dynamite was like, "Well, let's just let's just do this every month." And it it, it just like you said, it it started off as a okay. So for four issues, we're going to have ash deal with uh reanimator so deadites start to inhabit the bodies of herbert west's experiments Uh, okay yeah that makes sense makes no sense whatsoever but it sure was fun Mm -hmm. and then after that he like he returns to the cabin Mm -hmm. then uh he goes up against the original classic monsters like dracula frankenstein's monster Mm -hmm. it's just it was just a wacky series so
2: let me oh, yes. let me ask you this. And and if you were building to revealing this answer anyway, then just tell me to shut up and, and wait, and I will. But um, there was at one point a time where mm-hmm. I was starting to pick up, and I don't even remember now what it was, but I was starting to pick up some Evil Dead or Army Darkness comic at some point that they were putting out from Dynamite. And um, it seemed as if it was certainly playing off comics that had come before so there was some stuff that I was missing but then there was another series out at the time that was also from dynamite that from my standpoint as someone new coming into it at that point it didn't seem like they connected did all or does i su- i suppose i should say because it still continues does all the dynamite stuff actually still connect to each other no itself? Oh, okay okay
0: in theory there's about I want to say four or five series each that comes after army of darkness, but does not necessarily always align with the comic that came before it.
2: But I would say, but it's all dynamite, right?
0: Yes. Uh, okay. Dark horse has some, some stuff in here too.
2: Okay. But
1: yeah, Dark horse had, and then, then there's another company, uh, goat something. I can't mm. remember what they're called. They own the evil dead property or more specifically the evil dead Two dead by dawn property
2: okay okay so that's where because of the the, all the rights issues that that series already yeah yeah Uh, okay got it i'm with you now
1: and dynamite owns army of darkness okay so anytime some new creator would come on it would just end up being their interpretation of what they thought was going to happen after the film so sadly even though there's a lot of books out there, there's now like an Ash multiverse mm-hmm. mm. because of all of these comic series and miniseries. A lot of the crossover stuff was with both film and television stuff. There were two. Count them. Two. No, three. There were three freaking crossovers with Xena, the warrior freaking princess. Correct. Wow. Mm-hmm. And and two of them, they were using the whole angle of the fact that there was a character that Bruce Campbell played, Atolycus. The King of Thieves. The King of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. They used that whole gimmick in those two first miniseries because, hey, you two look alike. Oh, God. <laughs> and then the third one was just, it was just weird. It just, yeah. I, and that's all I can really say about it, it was weird. It was Xena it was traveling through time, meeting ash at different points to get to a certain battle to where her and gabrielle wouldn't die it was really weird some real Mm.
0: dr who shit right there
1: yeah very dr (sighs) whoian then of course you know since sam raimi created ash and the evil dead slash army of darkness they crossed him over with another sam raimi creation there was this great four issue dark man yeah
2: Mm. Mm. that would be cool
0: It was was
1: cool. It was was really cool. I don't even
0: have the single issues anymore, but I remember... Yeah, I I,
1: I definitely don't. I have the trade paperback. Mm. And I think trying to find the single issues, those are up there. Because Mm. you wouldn't think about it, but some of those older books from Dynamite, they're pricey now. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it has to do with with the art. Uh, I do believe uh, a lot of the cover art and interior art was done by Nick Bradshaw, who at the time was popular but since then has like like he blew up. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other crossovers they Well,
0: there's a big one in that the Freddy versus Jason sequel actually did apparently have a script against Ash and it was used for one 6 issue run of it, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, were yeah, wild Yeah, now that
2: that I have and that is I love that thing. And then there's a follow-up to it.
0: Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. The Nightmare Warriors.
1: Six issues, and uh, that was uh, also another joint between Dynamite and Wildstorm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Wildstorm, and this is a nice segue into another property, Wildstorm held the rights to all of the modern movie monsters like Jason, Freddy, Mm -hmm. and, and Leatherface. I remember I used to have those books, but again, fell on hard times, had to sell them. Those things are they're they're like if you find them in the wild it's rare and when yeah. you do find them they're pricey yeah
2: mm-hmm. i uh i had all of those and uh all of the the Wildstorm ones um and i think it was because of the the freddy versus jason versus ash that really kind of turned me on to the whole thing and like you mr x i fell in hard times i had to sell them and oh man am i really upset about that because you can't You can't, you can't can't get them for, well, you can't find them first off. And then when you do, (laughs) you're, you're paying at least, I would say at least 15, 20 bucks per issue for some of them, um, you know, and they're, they're what, 10, maybe 15 years old, about 15 years old, I would say. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, uh, nightmare warriors, was really fun because it brought back all of the surviving characters from both the nightmare series and the Friday, the 13th series. Oh, wow. Including Tommy Jarvis.
2: Oh, wow. To mm-hmm.
1: team up with Ash to go up against again, Freddie and Jason. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And one of my favorite crossovers, I would be remissed without saying it is while it isn't army of darkness and Bubba Hotep, it's Army of Darkness versus the Marvel Zombies, and I remember seeing that in the store and being just, just dumbfounded. Like, wait, what? No, this wasn't <laughs> a thing. But then I picked it all up, and it even has a cameo by my favorite superhero team, Next Wave. They show up <laughs> for two panels. That's and awesome. Then, and then they are, and then, and I ex- exact quote from a line of dialogue: "They are ruthlessly dispatched off-panel." <laughs> by um Oh, what are the kids, the the little kids? Power pack. Yes, they're ruthlessly dispatched off panel by the Power Pack.
1: Oh, oh, I oh. About that.
0: oh yeah. I loved it. It was great. Yeah,
1: because the uh, Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies was actually like a uh a halfway point for the Ash series, for the Army of Darkness series, because the first ongoing ended at issue 13 Mm-hmm death of ash right and he's spirited away and he's like he's traveling through universes and he ends up on the marvel zombies universe and at the end of marvel's at the end of that miniseries then he ends up in a world filled with uh the last page is him facing a bunch of marvel characters but they're all werewolves Mm -hmm. and then that just you know it's it's the end but then the next ongoing starts And you're led to believe that Ash was jumping from reality to reality to get back home. And since he's been gone, the deadites have taken over the earth. Hmm. So now, uh, so, so the new series starts off. It's like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic thing. And Ash must find the book to recite the words, to go back in time, to stop all this from happening.
0: And that's where we want to ask you, our lovely listeners, what did you read of Army of Darkness? What were some of your favorite memories of it? Did you even know it existed? Head on over to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, and our website. And of course, leave the comments. Klatu, Virata Nickelback?
2: Well, gentlemen, um, there were a couple of things that I had thought about picking, you know. Uh, there is still a lot of great stuff out there and, and it would certainly probably fill even another full episode like this somewhere down the line, but
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Right. Right. But for this specific episode, I decided to go with the new IDW Star Trek comics, uh, particularly and specifically the next generation stuff, mm, but okay. I, I'm not necessarily leaving out the other properties. I'm specifically talking about the stuff that IDW has been putting out since Free Comic Book Day of 2017. IDW has had the license for Star Trek for a long time, and I think going back to 2005 or six, somewhere around there, I think. Specifically, this is the stuff that IDW has been doing since 2017, because it has really felt like this stuff is almost like a new... Continuation. And I never read the previous IDW stuff, so I have no idea if it connects to that stuff or not. But these started with the Free Comic Book Day one shot Star Trek The Next Generation Mirror Broken. Hmm. And it is exactly what you would be assuming it is. It is a quick little tease and a look at the next generation version of the Mirror Universe which then spawned into a six-issue miniseries uh, of the same, same title, you don't get any of the characters that we know from any of the shows or any of the movies. This is only the Picard of the Mirror Universe and, and so on. And this whole first six-issue miniseries is just their story and how they end up on the Enterprise. And it was, it was fascinating to me because it didn't seem to, being solely in the mirror universe, it did not seem to connect to anything. It did not seem to be continuing any kind of storyline from any other property, either right. be the movies or the TV shows or whatever. So it was kind of neat. It was just six issues set in this alternate mirror universe. And, uh, you know, it was kind of fun to see that Picard was on the Stargazer still, and he gets a visit from Grand Inquisitor Deanna Troy, who explains to him that the, uh, and I I forget what the name of the, they're not called the Federation.
1: Terran Empire. Empire. Thank you.
2: Thank you. That's it. Yes. Thank you.
1: The Terran Empire. Yeah, that's what they're
2: called. They have developed their new galaxy class battleship, the Enterprise. And it's being captained by Captain Jellicoe. Now, anybody that has watched the TV show may remember Jellicoe as the captain who took over the Enterprise when Picard was not in his right mind. Let's say, uh, um, you know, in that in that great storyline, uh, what was that? Season four, the best of best of both worlds, I think it's called where he's, he becomes Locutus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that character is the character that is, that is the captain of the enterprise in the mirror universe. And so Picard rounds up what ends up being, you know, data and Geordi and everybody. And they basically take over the ship. He basically takes it away and tries to kind of create a mutiny within within the entire Terran organization by using the Enterprise as the as the primary thing. So it was it was an interesting story. It was very neat and you got to see all these different versions. The most interesting thing about the differences in the characters was Lieutenant Barclay was in it. Unlike Lieutenant Barclay in the regular universe, this Lieutenant Barclay was a sadistic calculating bastard. I mean, this guy was scary. And it was very cool. Well, the series did so well that they ended up doing a second six-issue miniseries that was called, uh, I think it's Through the Mirror, Star Trek The Next Generation Through the Mirror. And it continued. And it was at that point that it kind of became clear that from that moment on, whatever the Star Trek books were coming out from IDW, they were going to continue and kind of fill the gap from the end of season seven leading up to the first movie. And in Through the Mirror, the mirror alternate versions of everyone and the Enterprise itself, basically they they come through and you have our next-generation crew on the Enterprise-D fighting the Mirror next-gen crew. And it was just, it was awesome. And it just, it was so much fun to see these two different versions face off against one another. You could tell at that point that they were building. They were building a, a longer game story out of all of these Star Trek things. Because at the end of that series, the evil Barkley basically took the regular Barkley and locked him up in a closet, took his place on the Enterprise, and he stayed behind when evil Picard and crew went back home. So there was a third series, Terra Incognito, that dealt with those ramifications. And and now there's a DS9 book coming out that they say will connect to all of this because the writers of the Next Generation books made it a very strong point for themselves to connect their Mirror Universe stories to the Mirror Universe episodes of DS9. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they started to to kind of build off of that, and the most recent one that I've read was uh, a one-shot where Voyager was a Mirror. There was a Mirror Universe Voyager, and I can only imagine that that's going to eventually come around and tie in with them all, but, uh, but it's been very, very interesting and and very fun to see it all connect. And they have such reverence for the shows that if you are a fan of the shows, you're getting Easter eggs all over the place in these books,
1: Mm, Okay,
2: but you're not, you're not held to it. It's not like you have to, it's not like you have to know the shows to be able to enjoy it, which again. I did not read the stuff prior to, and I have collected various Star Trek comics over the years, but nothing in any kind of uh, real massive collection. So I don't know if that's a thing that the Star Trek comics have done before this, but this one was very easy to just jump in. As long as you know who the characters are, you're you're fine.
1: Well, I mean, if you really look at it, it's like if, if you're putting out a Star Trek book... It's for Star Trek fans. Yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're
0: not going to see that on Shelton be like, well, I wasn't a fan of the show, but.
2: But let me give that a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the other nice thing, too, is that the art is just so great in these. I mean, that's, you know, sometimes, especially with a Star Trek book, you know, you can make allowances for for the art not being great because it, it many times isn't. In a Star Trek comic. And so you really kind of hang just on the story. But on these, the art is really well done in these gorgeous painted covers. And in fact, I think it was at least the first Mirror Broken series and possibly through the mirror, if I remember correctly, where the books were fully painted. Oh, wow. At least the first one was. I, I can't recall now off the top of my head if the second one was or not, or if it was just the covers that were painted. But yeah, they're just really, really well, well made books and well put together, and and continue the story. And you know, Mister X, you said it before when you were talking about Boom with Planet of the Apes and and IDW, and talking about how when these companies, these two specifically, get a hold of a property, they really, they really kind of knock it out of the park, and. And I have to admit that reading these Next Generation books sparked my interest in getting the new Star Trek Year 5 comic that IDW is doing. Now, granted, I only got a couple of issues before Money being what it was. I I had to stop, and and I've since been trying to track them down and back issue. But, Mr. X, I know you've been reading that one.
1: I have. I've been picking it up uh, from the beginning. IDW, I, I love the company, you know, if Marvel didn't exist, IDW would be my top pick for comic book company out there. Star Trek year five. Not only do they respect the continuity of the old show, because that's my thing. I wasn't a huge fan of the old television series. I enjoyed the movies starring the original crew, but picking this up, I was like, Oh, well, we're going to finally see the end of that five year mission. Well, I I, I was curious and I, I started picking it up and All I can do is hear those voices in my head while I read
2: this. You and I were talking about that when we first started getting it. We were both saying that, you know, it's almost like you can hear DeForest Kelly delivering the dialogue that is written for Bones in these comics. And I have to tell you, man, the, the next generation stuff they've been doing, exact same thing.
1: Well, it seems like most of their Star Trek stuff has been v- very popular with fans because even going further back than Mirror Broken, uh, they did a one shot that set up the Abrams movie.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yes. And I do have that. That was that was very fun. And the, I think it was what was a countdown or something like that.
1: But it's basically the origin of Nero. Right. And what was going on in the universe before spock and nero went through time right so it keeps it in continuity it's like seven years after star trek nemesis and it's focusing on picard of course not only that but then you know idw put out a picard prequel
2: comic oh that's right yes i'm glad you reminded me of that i got those those were fun
1: to set up the uh the television series and on top of that they had there was an ongoing comic for the Kelvin universe, the Kelvin timeline stuff.
2: Yes, and I I really enjoy the Kelvin series of movies. Th- that's not my personal choice for Star Trek. You know, I was raised on the next gen, so when I think of Star Trek, that's what I think of. But I, I do enjoy the Kelvin movies quite a bit. And after having read all of these new Star Trek comics that I have been. It really does make me want to go back and read the, I think there are two Kelvin ongoing series. I think the first one made it about 50 issues. And I think the second one maybe about 30 or 40 issues.
1: And I think it was the, they were in between the movies.
2: One of them was in between movies. And then the, the most recent one was after the third movie or something to that effect. Yeah, it did continue and it was overseen by who was it? Alex Kurtzman. And what's his name? Uh, uh Robert Orkey or Roberto Orkey or whatever his name is, who, who kind of helmed those with Abrams. So, so they are in the Kelvin continuity. I, I just never until now had the interest in checking them out, but IDW does such a great, great job that I, I have been wanting to do that.
1: Pistol, are you a Star Trekker or a Star Warser?
0: Uh, I'm both like, uh, Mr. Doctor said, I grew up with uh, the next gen. And I, I honestly never even knew there was a comic afterwards uh, until you know a couple of years ago, I'd say. Mm. But um, you know, I liked Star Trek: The Next Gen. I liked Deep Space Nine, and then I just kind of let it go. I was like, you know what? I'm good now. I've had my fun share of Star Trek, and I moved on to other things.
2: I think I think a lot of us were in that boat because I I only made it. Three or four seasons into DS9, and I don't even know if I made it through a full season of Voyager. And gosh, I, I can't even tell you if I made it three or four episodes into Enterprise. It, it wasn't until the JJ Abrams film that I kind of was slowly starting to get my interest back into Star Trek. But I, I have to, I have to say, man, I, I've said it a few times here, but I'm going to reiterate it: these new post mirror broken. Star Trek books that IDW has been putting out, it has completely reignited my, my love and passion for Star Trek, which is, which is hard to do for a property that started in television and film. You know, usually I get, I get the bug when I see a sequel to a movie and then go back and read the comics. Whereas in this case, I've been reading the comics and it, it got my bug activated to go and and start (laughs) watching the shows again and everything. So, um,
1: well, there's something to keep an eye out for because in the spirit of the broken mirror, the mirror, mirror universe. And I think it's only a one shot. I don't think it's a mini series, but if, if, if memory serves, I do believe IDW is about to put out a story about Khan in the mirror universe.
2: Yes, I have heard that that is something uh, that is coming. Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing that makes me think that this is all certainly planned out and a continuation. Because you're telling me that you're going to have three major miniseries in next gen dealing with the mirror universe. A very, very well thought out one shot of Voyager in the mirror universe. And now you're doing a con mirror universe and you're not, you're not building to something. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not. Maybe it's just interesting stories. But it seems to me like they are really developing a a very cohesive, connected comic book universe, which companies seem to have had difficulty with when it comes to Star Trek in years past. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's just another put another win in the IDW column. But that's where we ask you. Do you read Star Trek comics? Have you been reading the IDW Next Generation Star Trek comics? Or do you prefer going back to the older DC, Marvel, or even before that, Gold Key Star Trek comics? Let us know by heading over to any one of our social media accounts, as well as our website at mybigfatpulllist.com.
1: Well, there you go. A handful of examples of just how comic books can continue stories from popular television and films we've barely scratched the surface we could have we could do a whole series of episodes there's there's comic books that continue the story of Farscape a great science fiction show from the early 2000s there's actually two comic book series that continue the adventures of Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China
0: Mm -hmm.
2: for anyone that uh that watched the little known show Jericho there were two series written by the writers of the show season three and season four that continued the story of Jericho. Yeah. There's lots out there.
1: And for all you horror buffs, were you sad when Penny dreadful was canceled after three seasons? Well, guess what? The comic book picks up where the show left off and continues the story. So there's a lot of examples out there and we've just talked about a few. So until next time, loyal listeners, I am Mr. X.
2: I'm Dr. Impact.
1: And I'm the bang man, Pistol Danger. And we'll see you in the funny pages.
0: That's our show, folks. Tell your friends and family about our program. What he means is you and everyone you know should subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on every app possible.
1: Want to help support the show? Visit our Patreon page. We have a variety of incentives at multiple tiers sure to satisfy any and all hardcore geeks. You can also follow us on social media where we post weekly comic picks, breaking news stories, and glimpses into our everyday geek lives. Until next time, keep your turtle shells waxed. (laughs) Your power rings charged.
0: And your proton packs prime. Ooh, what's this do? smurphy
1: not the containment unit in taking an intellectual property whether it be a film or a movie which is the same thing
0: <laughs> i wasn't gonna say anything because i did that thing where like you know you like you look up into your
1: brain because you're like wait a minute I was like, "Let's just keep going. Let's let it go." Right.
0: <laughs> that was awesome.
1: It's been a long day. I've been I've been sitting in front of the computer, filling out applications left and right. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what I'm thinking anymore. <sighs> my,
0: my life has gotten away from me.
1: Yeah, I'd like to talk to the manager.
0: <laughs> okay, Karen.
1: <laughs>
0: my big fat Karen.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. It's a whole nother. That's story a podcast. Now. Yeah. You need like a a pair of shorts that have the circle in a circle in a circle overlapping your junk. Hmm. I think that'd be a great merchandise.
0: I mean, let's get at it then. If only we had an artist on staff.
2: (laughs) I I don't know if I want to draw pistol's junk.
1: Well, you don't have to draw pistol's junk. I'm saying it's a pair of trunks that has it on it's like a, a decorative codpiece. Yeah.
2: Anybody who's just joining us on this episode is probably thinking, what in the world is this show about?
1: Yeah, this this will probably end up at the end. This is probably the, uh, the, the outtake. Are you telling me my junk is not pertinent to a main episode? That, I, that's what I'm telling you. Your
0: junk is an outtake. Now, that's I've heard worse.